Hey everyone, you're listening to The Essentials. My name is Maddie, and in this episode, I'm taking a trip back into the world of art because it's been a minute since I last did a discussion on art, but I think it was definitely time to do it again. In the current art era, minimalistic art has risen to the top of what is considered luxurious art. Art for the wealthy, something that screams, look at me, I'm cultured. So just for a brief recap on fine art, I want to make mention that I'm talking about art history from a Western art history perspective. And there are a lot of parts within this entire movement as a whole because obviously there are many, many different types of genres that come into play throughout the years. To be able to call something fine art, loosely, these pieces can be defined as art forms whose primary characteristic is beauty rather than practical use. For example, painting, sculpture, drawing, prints, artistic photographs, everything of those sorts. And I want to break these things further down into two groups, major and minor arts, with minor arts being like commercial and decorative arts. So I just want to keep that part in mind because I am going to come back to that later on. But first, I just want to give a list of some of my favorite artists. I'm really interested in Impressionism, and I've taken a liking to the works by Impressionist painters. And to be categorized as an Impressionist painter, they sought to capture the immediate impression of a particular moment. And this is characterized by short, quick brushstrokes and an unfinished sketch-like feel. And most of the time they would use real life as their subject matter, painting situations like dance halls and picnics rather than historical or mythological events. And I really find that kind of art captivating as well as realism. And it's not like photorealistic sketches and stuff like what you might see nowadays. But this is a movement that began in France in the 1840s, and it was a result of multiple events. The anti-romantic movement in Germany, the rise of journalism, and the advent of photography. And these things inspired a new interest in accurately capturing everyday life. So there's attention to accuracy that's evident in this art. And it featured detailed and lifelike depictions of subject matter. Nothing super exaggerated or anything like you'll see in Greek artworks, like ancient Greek artworks. These artworks wanted to depict people as they were. So a lot of the artists in my list are from those two genres of art. Um, Edward Manet, Claude Monet, Renoir, of course, Edgar Degas, Gustave Courbet, Vincent van Gogh, of course, although that's post-impressionism, but I love his work. I think everybody does. Henry Osawa Tanner, who is the painter of the banjo lesson, which is a very riveting piece of artwork. And Tanner's mother, Sarah, had been born a slave and had escaped north to Pennsylvania through the Underground Railroad. And Tanner himself, he was actually the United States' first African-American celebrity artist. And he was trained at the Pennsylvania Academy of Fine Arts. So that's pretty groundbreaking for black artists in America. So this was in the 1800s. And this was the rise of black artists being in the art scene. So today when I'm hearing a lot of people saying, oh, well, people of color are underprivileged and underserved in the art community and all this stuff. That was the 1800s. And 
Tanner was making excellent accomplishments. He was an incredible artist and we should think of him and look at his works to understand how far we've come as a nation. But yeah, so back to the rest of my favorite artists, I have some from more current times like Edward Hopper, James Gurney, Norman Rockwell, and Maggie Smith Kuhn. So I encourage you guys to check them out if you would like to, if you find it interesting. They're all very incredible artists and I draw a lot of my inspiration from them. So now to get to the point of this episode in its entirety. Modernism versus classicism and related movements. This whole debacle has been going on for a long time about how people wish we could go back to times when fine art and art you see in museums and art you see displayed in public places was more elaborate versus now how minimalism is really the prominent art type, at least in America. I wouldn't know. I have not been out of the United States. I'll get there, but for now, I am talking about the US. So what is minimalism in art? Well, minimalism is a unit of modern art developed in the USA in the late 1950s to mid 1960s, and it really took off in the 1970s, showing itself in architecture as well. And a really good example of this is actually the New York State Plaza in Albany, New York, where the buildings are actually very angular and plain, but very large so it gives that sense of modernism. And to define modernism simply, Tate.org calls it an extreme form of abstract art that is typified by artworks composed of simple geometric shapes based on the square and the rectangle. So it's this extending abstract idea that art should really have its own reality and not be an imitation of some other thing, which is what all of the art before the modernist movement was. Because we usually think of art as representing something real from the world, like a landscape or a person, like any of that stuff. But with minimalism, there is no attempt made to represent an outside reality. The artists kind of leave it up to the viewer to interpret what the piece means to them. And this episode is not me hating on modern minimalism and abstract contemporary art styles. Some people really enjoy that type of art. I just personally have a different taste, like impressionism and realism. And I'm addressing the current climate of the art world where it looks like minimalism has kind of taken over as fine art and taken the place of all the art that preceded it that was known as high art or fine art during those times. So now that we've taken a look at minimalism, we'll go into the art in contrast. And those styles would be classical art, neoclassicism, renaissance, rococo, baroque, romanticism, realism, impressionism, post-impressionism, which some very interesting techniques came out of, and then fauvism, symbolism, surrealism, and some others. These are related movements, of which some were based largely on the origins prominent in classical arts, and then the rest would evolve with society, reflecting the cultural norms and significant events pertaining to each time period. As realism painter Gustave Courbet, one of my favorites, stated, an epic can only be reproduced by its own artists. I hold the artists of one century basically incapable of reproducing the aspect of a past or future century. So all these extravagant and finely detailed pieces by pioneering, professionally trained Western artists will reflect life as it was in their time. Our artists reflect our time. So of course, the art is not going to be the same, 
because it reflects the culture in which it comes out of. Like if you survey Renaissance art, you will catch a glimpse of what life was like in those times. Or if you look at Rococo art, which originated in early 18th century Paris, you'll see that it's categorized by soft colors and curvy lines, and it depicts scenes of love, nature, lighthearted entertainment, and youth. And these are things that French society favored during that time. So what fits the definition of classicism in art? If it's relating to the actual classicism movement, then this would refer to artwork that draws inspiration from ancient Roman or ancient Greek culture, architecture, literature, and art. Classicism was most popular in Western art during the Renaissance period and often depicted scenes from mythology through painting, sculpture, and printmaking. So it's going to inform much of the subject matter depicted in history painting, and there were some very notable works to come out of this era. But because what is actually being debated here are all of these art genres before the scene of abstract expressionism, and we can call those classic artworks, that definition would not be a one-word answer. Um, I'd say that fine arts, according to those genres, were very humanistic, individualized, representative of major historical events, prominent people, and places of importance. And each movement focused on different aspects of humanity itself. What we see, how we act, our social systems, the royals at the time, the working class, our homes, how we observe nature, who we worship, what we eat, things that people can identify with. So in this discussion, there isn't really a comparison between strictly two different style types of art. I think what it is, based on how I've seen the debate presented in social media and by casual conversation, is that people are comparing minimalism with all the other artworks that preceded where modernism started, most of which are some of the greatest, most influential art pieces in Western art history. So that's not comparing two equal playing fields. That's kind of like comparing two NBA players, for example, Michael Jordan and then a rookie player. They're both good, obviously, because they're in the NBA, but Michael Jordan is one of the greats. He's been around longer. So why is it such a common debate lately if it's not an argument of equal topics? Well, that also is not a one-word answer, but American mainstream culture has kind of praised certain artworks above others lately, according to a progressive social trend. We are in a world that is much more androgynous with everything. We've lost the rigidity regarding customs. There are people who take issue with there only being two biological sexes, as our workplaces emphasize inclusivity more than many other things. Lots of Americans are also opposed to capitalism and favor socialism instead, and they push for equality in non-offensive media. And by that, I mean works that do not have a face that could be associated with a group of people, whether it be by ethnicity or by any other distinction. White men have been targeted and labeled as racist, misogynist, and unworthy of any notoriety, especially if they aren't on that side of the political spectrum. And a traditional white man is like all of a sudden the worst type of person on earth, an inherent perpetrator of hate speech and aggression, which is honestly sick and disgusting. And all of the greats who pretty much founded fine art in Western art history were white men. And it wasn't because of inherent racism, it was just due to the advancements of Western civilization. They had the paints, they had the techniques, and their skills were absolutely incredible. They incorporated the sciences into their art, things were calculated, sketched, planned, studied, all with the intent of making amazing art, which they succeeded at doing. But in our world now, at least in America, mainstream culture decides who is deserving of being highlighted based on identity politics. 
demographics, socioeconomic status, those things will either make you or break you here. Those men, a lot of them were also wealthy on top of being white, and that's a combo that will get you censored here. So displaying their art in universities wouldn't fit modern standards of inclusivity or diversity. So now that that business is out of the way, I want to mention some stuff about display. So we know that we've seen a shift in what types of art are being emphasized by society based on those political trends. Going back to that little part I wanted you guys to all hang on to from the beginning, we have seen a shift in major arts as fine art to minor arts as fine art. What we see more of are minimalist contemporary pieces that aren't meant to represent a person, place, or occurrence. They're for an easy aesthetic, non-offensive, and free of clutter. They're to calm the racing minds of people in a fast-paced, chaotic internet world of social media, cryptocurrency, and the hustle lifestyle. And there is something calming about art that is horizontal and neutral in tones, but to me those works don't hold the same influence that the girl with the pearl earring does. About display, larger works signify importance. And this is a theme that dates back to ancient humanity. The pyramids, for example, being so large are symbolic of the influence of the Egyptian pharaohs in their reign. And then the Greeks building life-size statues of Greek gods and goddesses implied that these figures were extremely notable. Large churches with big windows and big paintings of religious figures also implied that those figures were of great significance and authority and that those were places of religious importance. Now making an abstract minimalistic piece large seems to give it more substance. Like the wealthy will have a large canvas work displayed, but instead of it having lots of content on it, it may just be a few lines or just a color gradient, but it's large, therefore it's more hot. And that is pronounced hot in English, but oat in French, but I speak American English, so it's hot for us. Take issue with that if you want to. And to get back on topic, what I was talking about before actually takes me to a story of one of the times I wanted to walk through U Albany's art museum between classes. I wanted to check out the new installations and just see what they had. So I did, but what they displayed didn't seem to attract my eye. Everything there was contemporary and minimalistic. One piece looked like blue and red duct tape up and down the walls in the shape of a gym floor pattern. Maybe I just didn't understand it, but it wasn't very striking to me. Its meaning had to do with racial discrimination that the artist faced as a Latino in the school system. So it had meaning that resonated with a specific minority group. It was definitely unoffensive and was across a very tall surface. And the other installations were similar. Like one looked like shredded fabrics, which I think is what it was, hanging in large ribbons from the ceiling. And in this era of art, anybody can be an artist, which in a way is what our culture is getting at. I don't want to make this political, but in a world that favors socialism, no one person is supposed to be any more skilled than anyone else, because that causes inequality. We are in a world where groupthink and grouping by socioeconomic class, ethnicity, gender, or nationality causes an increase in equality, but a decrease in individuality. Expression is fine if it relates to an issue for one group, like BLM or LGBTQ, but if an individual does it unattached to any group, it's not going to make as much headway. So if we have masters of art, then they would be more highly regarded, which isn't something that a socialist society likes, which is kind of scary. 
I do want to also clarify that art has always had the means to be politicized, as it is a form of human expression and communication. It illustrates feelings, concerns, events, whatever, and has been used in promoting social, religious, or political standpoints since its origin. So it's nothing new that art is political, but the difference, I think, is that it didn't always have to be political. That was kind of a progressive movement thing that happened in our history, and it came about during more modern times, and has now become very common. So as I talked about a lot in this episode, art is going to reflect the artist's personal experiences and social environment. So as an overview, we've seen a shift in arts that are the most commonly seen from major arts like sculptures and fine paintings that are extremely intricate and detailed, to decor-styled aesthetics, aka the minor arts. And within this shift, we've seen the portraiture and major event illustrations switch to horizontal lines, formless pieces, gradients, objects in harmony. And many people wish we could go back to the times when fine art meant the Mona Lisa and Las Mignanas, Starry Night, Primavera, Nighthawks, the Birth of Venus, the Wave of Kanangawa, and others. And we've also talked about how minimalism has become the more dominant art form because when you make something larger, you make it look more important. And on top of that, massive artworks are what is trending in the contemporary art market. There is a need for big and it has stimulated the current trend for inflatable art and all these other giant pieces of artwork. So as society changes, art changes, and Whether or not you like contemporary minimalism is up to you. Everybody has the right to decide what they like and what they don't. It's called preferences. You can enjoy the minimalism if you like to. You can enjoy everything that came before it. If that's more your cup of tea, that's kind of more my cup of tea. And so it's up to you what you like and dislike. But I hope that you guys learned something from this episode You should go have some discussions with some family members and see if anything gets heated (laughs) over this. Maybe it won't. Maybe you just enjoyed this on a long car ride or something. It's not even that long. It's only 18 minutes. Anyway, I really appreciate the listen as I always do. And be sure to check out all the other great podcasters that are featured here on the BMG Network.